Hi, welcome to another episode of the Podcast Chef Podcast, The Consulting Trap. With me today is Jay Wallace from Run Zero. Welcome, Jay. Hey, thanks for having me, Ryan. So, uh, Jay, it would help our listeners, I think, if you they knew a little bit about you. And so you're going you're gonna to do a lot better job of describing where you've been and what you've been up to than I will. Uh, if you can give that a shot, that'd be great. Yeah, sure thing. So, um, Jay Wallace, I'm currently the VP of Worldwide Sales at Run Zero. Uh, we're a cyber asset management company that uh, finds all the things on your network that you don't know about. Um, came on a couple years ago as the founding sales member, um, really spun up the, the company. I was employee number six. And uh, we are currently sitting at 85, uh, tracking towards 90 by the end of January. So uh, a lot of growth over the last, we'll call it 20 months or so. Um, but uh, prior to this, I'd just been uh, really kind of grew up in a small town, uh, moved to Austin, Texas. Uh, it was, you know, Austin or Dallas. Austin was more my vibe. Uh, lots of green outdoor stuff to do. Um, kind of a cool city. Uh, and I say cool city, cool before it was cool like it is today. It used to just be a sleepy college town. And of course, now it's like a bustling metroplex. Um, but uh, I've been here about 20 years. I started my career in retail grocery, if you can believe it. And uh, at, at you know 21 years old, uh, somebody decided me to, to make me a manager. And I was running the store at about 165 um, employees that reported up to me. Uh, decided retail grocery was probably not the path that I wanted to take. So, um, you know, the the funny saying there was always, you know, I'm going to do this until I get a real job. And, you know, when you blink and it's been almost six years, you're like, I think this is my real job. So I, I should probably really do something different. Um, so I pivoted into finance. Uh, I did that through the recession um, and uh, was an independent contractor, did financial planning, uh, financial advisory, uh, home refinancing, all of that. Um, eventually made my way into private banking. And I did that. That's how I wrapped up my career um, after about eight and a half years in the finance world. Um, decided to move, make the move to tech, Austin, Silicon Hills. Uh, it's, you know, tech was kind of everywhere. Uh, I thought to myself as a mid 20 something, seeing um, other mid 20 somethings coming into the door with, you know, checks for a half a million dollars because they happen to be the, you know, fourth engineer at some, you know, startup in, in town. Uh, I figured out I was in the wrong business, so made the switch. Uh, moved over into uh, moved over into technology. Um, my first role was actually uh, like a sales engineering type of role, where I had to do customer training, uh, really do a deep dive into an industry I'd never heard of, uh, never worked in, um, in a in a uh, business that I'd never really dealt with, which was technology. Uh, so it was a challenge to say the least. Um, did that for a couple years until I found my true passion, which is cybersecurity software. Um, my next stop after my first tech company was Duo Security. Uh, I spent a few years there, um, got to see a lot of the hockey stick growth there, went through the acquisition with Cisco, um, having worked in big companies before, decided, you know, there's a little too much bureaucracy at large companies for me. Um, I decided to move on. Uh, tried my hand in the, the application performance monitoring space, did that for a couple of years, uh, but really I love cybersecurity. I think that it's uh, it's a community. Um, for me, it's a calling. I, I love being involved. Uh, I love hearing all the crazy stories you hear uh, out in the wild about you know people doing crazy things on the internet. And uh, that's always drawn me into the cybersecurity space. So um, the other interesting thing about it is my first tech company was around 600 people. Um, I joined Duo at around 300. And I've just been going smaller ever since. I think I got the startup bug and it's caught me pretty well. So uh, you know, getting in uh, as early as as the sixth employee sounded a little bit scary, but also very, very exciting. So 
Um, in retrospect, it's been one of the best moves I've ever made. Awesome. And I think the the story there and the, the jumps that you've made definitely seem like they are um, moving from uh, that large kind of megalith kind of environment to the smaller, more agile, more scrappy uh, kind of way to be. When you were going through that journey, when did you decide that sales was going to be kind of where you spent most of your effort? Yeah, I mean, I kind of always felt like sales was where I should be. Um, even when I was working retail grocery, I mean, what the things that enamored me was like day over day sales and week over week sales and, and month over month sales. Um, so when I would run, you know, I'd come in early in the morning around 6 a.m. and I'd run the ticker from yesterday's sales and start looking like, how do we perform versus last year? How do we perform versus you know, the company that I worked for was a machine. They were a hundred old, hundred year old grocery company. Um, they had all the metrics. I thought that was super interesting. I was lucky enough to find some mentors along the way that were like, Hey, this is how business works. And I think, um, it wasn't so much sales that caught my attention, it was business. And I was really interested in the inner workings of how businesses work and what they cared about. Um, but I think if you're really truly interested in business, you got to be interested in sales, right? Because that's what, you know, that's the lifeblood of any business. That's what makes the operations run, keeps the lights on. Um, somewhere along the way in around 2006, 2007, one of my mentors was like, dude, what are you doing? Like you're a sales guy, you know, you need to, <laughs> you need to tie your hand at, uh, at sales. And so when I got into financial planning, I mean, that was it. Like you don't have a book of business, you're cold calling. Um, my first fully commissioned gig at no base salary, you know, really putting it all on the line. Um, knocking on doors, asking strangers, can I refinance your mortgage? I mean, that was really the short of it, um, you know, or selling, you know, financial products like life insurance or financial plans. Um, I, not to mention, not the easiest thing to do in a global recession. So 2008, 2009 were not my best years in terms of earnings, but they were certainly my best years in terms of learnings. And uh, I learned a lot about myself and how much I loved sales. And I loved seeing, you know, meeting somebody completely brand new. They don't know anything about what you have. Uh, most of the time they're standoffish and they don't want to talk to you anyway. So there's something uh, masterful and artful about being able to get someone to warm up to you, have them open their eyes to the solution that you're selling um, and eventually say, yes, like this will actually help me out. Um, and I think it's bigger than the paycheck. For, for me, my North Star has never been how much money can I make in sales? I always wanted to make a lot of money. I think that's fair. But uh, the, the big thing is like, can I see the impact of the thing that I sold? You know, did I make a difference in someone's lives? And uh, in a lot of cases, like whether you're selling cybersecurity or you're selling, you know, performance monitoring in B2B sales or even in B2C sales, um, you're selling life insurance. And when somebody gets a debilitating, um, you know, cancer or debilitating disease that takes their life, you know, you put in place something that's actually going to protect them on the other side. So I've always kind of been mission driven uh, with my sales. And I think that's what's kept me super interested over the years. Well, it's interesting that you say that because I think one of the things that gets very difficult, right? You know, there's a there's a obviously an evolution. If you look at your story as well, you've gone from selling uh, relatively incongruous things that don't need a ton of explanation. You get the retail packaging and that's, you know, what you see is what you get or close enough um, to a much more nuanced, complex sale. So tell me about how you're approaching the sort of complicated sales where you may have long sales lead times, you may have long cycle times to close. Um, you know, this, this products that you're working with now, uh, your average your average Joe doesn't have a ton of knowledge about them. How do you get the folks that are in that business space, that business headspace 
to start thinking about the cybersecurity domain and stuff like that? Yeah, I mean, I think it starts with recognizing that it's complex, right? And you can't go into it thinking that it's going to be a quick win. You got to know that, um, you know, when you start courting a potential prospect and you start talking about the value that you offer, you got to know, one, there's an incumbent there. Um, whether you know it or not, whether they're going to admit it to you or not, there's probably an incumbent. Um, you've got to get past the features and, and uh, benefits kind of phase, which is, hey, this is a bigger, better mousetrap. Like that, that's, there's always going to be a better mousetrap. Um, I'm a relationship-driven person. So when I start thinking about complex sales cycles, my main job is to start building a relationship. And with my sales team now, uh, I'm big on skip level. I'm big on, you know, hey, when you start initiating a prospect conversation and you start bringing in and doing team selling, bringing in your sales engineer, bringing in PMM, bringing in uh, sales leadership, you've got to do that early and you've got to do it often. And I say that because, you know, the, the worst thing that can happen to you as a seller is, you know, you've got a, you know, mid six figure, high seven figure uh, or low seven figure deal on the line and you're single threaded, you know, so your, your champion decides to leave the company and your champion decides to uh, take a three week vacation. You know, we sell, uh, we're in about 50 countries today. So, you know, varying degrees of like, everybody's not like Americans where we, you know, live to work and it's like, Hey, I'm, I'm going on a vacation, but here's my cell, you know, here's a, here's a hair follicle in case you need to trace me by DNA, right. you know, here, here's how you can find me in any waking moment. Don't worry. Um, you know, a lot of people actually take vacation out there in the world, you know, and so if you get caught up in a, in a timeline that you're trying to close something out by the end of the year and your, you know, your single threaded contact decides to take a month off, um, you know, you're not probably going to bring in the sale. And so I think for that reason, relationships are super important. Um, it's got to get past, you know, I think relationship has to start first. You got to get past the technical piece of it. Um, and then you can start selling the value once they actually trust you. Um, and I, I use the word trust in a sense of people. It's a common truth that's been true since the, eight, the you know, the, the beginning of time. People buy from people they like, you know, begrudgingly will they buy from someone that they don't. And um, I, I think for us, knowing that it's a complicated sales cycle, knowing that we're introducing something new, but in general, uh, it's a it's a known problem. Um, it helps us to just come and establish credibility really early by building a relationship, saying like, hey, I'm a person too. Um, you know, if you want to buy without me, you don't have to talk to a salesperson, but I do bring some value in being able to help you get what you want. I think once you flip the switch and get to the, I'm going to help you get what you want and make it about the customer, that's when things start to fall in place and you can really settle in for a long ride if it is a long sales cycle. So that, that relationship-based selling, what are the mechanisms you're using to start those conversations? Because nobody's going to, you know... You, you can't lead with like, here's my stuff, right? To your point yeah. and, and relationship building, relationship based selling is going to require um, kind of an approach, uh, something that may be a little bit different than the average, like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to try and um, route you in through marketing or advertising into my funnel and then give you that kind of thing. How do you get folks to start that relationship conversation from the get go? I mean, just talk about the weather, right? Isn't that what you're supposed to do? <laughs> oh, good. Yeah. Well, hey, wow. I guess I'm in the outside. Northeast. I guess we're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, you know, no, I, I frankly, like, I think it's just about being a human. Like, you've got to be customer focused in everything that you do. You know, customer service gets this bad rap. Like, oh, you know, customer service is associated with grocery stores or retail outlets, right? If I go to Macy's, I've got a customer service rep. It, you know, there's not enough of that in SaaS sales. 
there's not enough in, uh, people that are just focused, like hyper-focused on customer success and customer enablement and making the focal point the customer. You know, if you uh, have a prospect that is trying to solve a really complex problem, um, chances are you're not the first person they've talked to about that problem. Chances are they probably implemented a solution or two or three that have not worked out. Hence the reason they're taking a demo call with you. So I think you've got to be realistic about, um, you know, this is a person that is probably weathered by trying to find a solution that can solve the problems that they have. And so coming in and, and acknowledging that, like, hey, I know you've probably gone through this. I also probably, I know you've probably been told, you know, we can solve this problem a hundred times over. Um, I'm not even going to tell you that we can solve that problem. First, I'd like to hear about your needs. I'd like to hear about what you've tried before that hasn't worked. You've really got to go into prescriptive mode immediately. Uh, that's how you build credibility. That's how you start building a bridge and a relationship, not by coming in and saying, hey, I've got a big shiny new mousetrap that's going to solve this problem. Um, the problem in the security space is that there's around 4,500 active security companies right now that are all telling the same thing. We can make you more secure. We can stop breaches. We can prevent the next X, Y, and Z ransomware attack from happening. Hey, when that celebrity vulnerability comes out, oh, just call us. We'll take care of that for you. It's just not the case. And um, honesty goes a very long way. I also think that it's really important that you disqualify quickly. So when you recognize that you can't solve the problem, um, you've got to tell prospects that, hey, look, I, I think you're looking for X. We sell Y, and I don't think it's a great fit. Um, I will say, Brian, if you want to take it a step further and really become a trusted partner and a trusted advisor, recommend someone else that can solve their problem. That will go a mile for that prospect to cut through all of the marketing noise and all of the things that are out there in the market and say, hey, you know what? Uh, we have a complimentary solution that we work with or that I've heard of that you know some of my customers also use. Um, I can make an introduction for you. And when you talk about really getting at the seat as a trusted advisor, that's a really good way to do it. Yeah, I love that idea. I mean, I know um, in, in my work, we recommend... The to everybody like look you need to have your network and the network isn't just like folks you've worked with or folks that you know it's got to be folks that you know go across a, a broad spectrum so you can really leverage those connections to help other people right i think one of the things that you really have been uh been describing in this process is um, you have to show up ready to help right isn't yep. that vital to being a relationship-based salesperson? You have to be ready to help somebody that's in a situation that they can't get out of on their own. Yeah, that's spot on. You know, I, I, and helping is the, the key piece of this whole thing, right? You shouldn't just be selling software for shelfware. You shouldn't be selling vaporware. You should be selling something to help. And if your solution isn't the right solution, you've got other ways that you can help. And sometimes that's just making another connection. Yeah, absolutely. So I am um, I'm super into the 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 whole kind of approach here, which is this like radical transparency, super honesty, uh, you know, building the relationship. Um, that that you alluded to it earlier, that talking about the weather, right? But that um, uh, it, it used to be you would go to your networking events and shake hands and kiss babies and swap business cards. And now if you try and do that, uh, you're going to be, you know, prosecuted, thrown in jail, and you're going to be on 85 different newsletters. So um, how do you, how do you go from essentially zero to at least moderately warm nowadays, particularly in the SaaS space? That's, that's really interesting to me. Yeah. I mean, you start by not being a jerk. 
um, I think that uh, that's, oh, that's all too often overlooked, you know? <laughs> um, look, I, I would love to say, and I, this is true of every industry, but I would love to say that every salesperson out there is genuine and honest and, and transparent, and they're not, they're not a jerk. Um, just this other, uh, this is maybe a couple months ago, I saw a security business leader that I know posted something, um, and it had to do with Salesforce and, and something. And I see this guy uh, from Salesforce just come on and like attack this guy. Like you don't have any understanding of how people buy. Now this is an economic buyer. This guy holds the budget. And the impetus was you have to get to the CISO because practitioners just waste your time. Now you've got a business leader, a modern business leader at that for a very large F500 company saying, look, I don't have time to take business meetings you know, I trust my practitioners. I hire good people. They bring good tooling to me. Typically, they'll test it without ever talking to me, which is the best thing that they can do. And then they come to me and say, it's tried, it's true, here's the pricing, and I can make business decisions, right? That's a very different model than the old traditional steakhouse and, you know, meeting at a conference and those types of things. I think those still have merit. I do. I think that when you're building a relationship, um, it's about running certain plays at certain times in the sales cycle. So just getting people warmed up, again, it starts with just not being a jerk, you know, if you're, uh, or, or not being, you know, naive or too fast to the pitch, you know, if you are at a networking event, I mean, we, we just started going to our first uh, events. RSA was our first event last year. It was the first time we had been to an in-person event since the pandemic happened. And we didn't, we didn't do a booth. We grabbed a suite. We drove meetings. Um, generally speaking, the first thing when somebody I talked to, it was not a pitch. It was, you know, how are you? What's your role? What problems are you trying to solve? Why are you even in RSA and all this madness? Right, like, right. You know, what did you think of the floor? You know, we're in the chasm space. And so uh, at RSA, chasm was absolutely jammed, right? Everybody was outside the firewall, but they've got a different mousetrap. And this is why you should, you know, use us versus this person and this person. Um, and we're behind the firewall. We're we're really focused on a totally different segment. And so for me to ask, and I'll I'll say this, um, was meeting with a uh, CISO for a large, you know, F100 mm -hmm. organization. And I said, hey, what'd you think of the floor today? And they were like, oh, it's all BS. I don't believe a word of it. You know, and, and I followed by saying, well, then why are you in our booth? Or, you know, why are you in our <laughs> right now? And he was like, oh, because you guys are actually doing something that I care about. Now, did I pitch my product? Absolutely not. I wanted to know, why is this business leader talking to me when he thinks the whole show is a bunch of crap? Right. Uh, that was very telling because when you walk the booth, uh, you know, it's just about your product, your product, your product. I think even in booths, you can run a light qualification with the people that you're talking to. And that's memorable, right? Not here's my thing. Here's my thing. More. What problems are you trying to solve? You know, we're in the chasm space. I'm sure that you've seen there's 15 other booths to the left and the right of me. Why are you talking to me right now? What, what problems do you need to solve? And it starts there. So when you think about, Brian, how do I get people um, engaged and cut through the noise? It's as simple as the first day you started selling. Ask questions, qualify. Um, that's a way that you cut through the noise because everybody else is just pitching. Yeah, that's awesome. Jay, I want to thank you for, so much for being on the show today. But before we go, I want to make sure we get to uh, a couple of key things. First things first. Um, Give me, give me the quick plug. How, you know, who should reach out to you? Who should you, uh, uh, how should they get a hold of you? Uh, who are the kind of folks you want to talk to? 
Yeah, I mean, we do really well with uh, with SOC leaders, um, with practitioners specifically. I love talking to practitioners, um, despite the title, I'm fairly technical. I love to dig into the product. Um, I love to uh, learn how the inner workings of our product work and what problems we're solving. So practitioners, um, SOC leaders, blue team, um, pen testers, I mean, you name it. If you're in security, the security network space, and you want to know what's on your network, um, that's the person that I want to talk to. Uh, email is j at uh, runzero.com. Um, also, uh, LinkedIn, Jay Wallace VPS, uh, Twitter, Jay Wallace VPS, Mastodon, if you're done with Twitter, uh, Jay Wallace VPS, easy to find me. Um, but I think those are the people that we have the most success with. Um, also, IT operations, folks that are trying to manage their CMDB and get a better handle on what should be and should be specifically with unmanaged devices in their CMDB. That's another great audience for us because they tend to really latch on. And, and I'll say this as the last pitch here, Brian. Uh, the the big thing for us is we solve a problem that people have been trying to solve in the market for a decade or more with a ton of tools that were not purpose built to solve the problem. That's why we exist. Um, that's why we're cutting through a lot of that noise that's out there in the space. Gotcha. And in your sales journey, Jay, I mean, which sounds like it was long and circuitous, uh, you, ser- you you sold financial services for a little while there. That's that's a definite and, and a bad time of the economy too. So uh, you definitely have your chops. What are the three biggest things you picked up along the way? Um, I mean, the the thing that I live by is seek to understand. I mean, whether it's with employees or it's with prospects, seek to understand. You've got to start by trying to learn if you even have something that solves someone's problem. Um, The other piece is um, be kind, you know, really be kind with people. Prospects will ghost you left and right. Um, You've got to assume positive intent. They're not doing it on purpose. Oftentimes they're dealing with their own issues. Sometimes they get let go, part of a riff, especially in this environment. There's a number of reasons that you should just be kind to the people that you work with. Um, The third thing I would say is team sell. Never, ever, ever get away from team selling. Um, No one person has ever gone and knocked out a million dollar deal by themselves. Generally speaking, especially in the startup world, you've involved everyone. So don't ever be shy to bring everybody to the table that needs to be the table so that you can make your company or yourself the most successful you can be. So team selling is going to be a a really big piece of that. Awesome. Jay, thanks again for your time. Yeah, absolutely, Brian. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Consulting Trap. If you have suggestions for future episodes or would like to be a guest on our show, please send me an email at brian at podcastchef.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at P-O-D-C-I-S-T-C-H-E-F dot com. Before we go, we'd like to thank the sponsor of our show, Podcast Chef. Podcast Chef helps turn ordinary podcasting into a revenue-generating lead magnet for your consulting business. Our podcasting done for you service takes away the headache of starting up and running your own podcast. Reach out now to take advantage of our 30-day money-back guarantee. Visit us at podcastchef.com to find out how our team of experts can help you leverage podcasting to take your business to the next level. Hey, you. Yes, you. It's uh, 2024 and you don't have a podcast yet. Or maybe you do, but you're struggling with it. Uh, We will talk to you about that uh, for free. We'll help you figure out uh, where you might be stuck, uh, whether or not we can help you for sure. But also, uh, if you don't have one yet, what are the like first five things you can do 
what are some great angles that you can use to make sure that your podcast was sustainable as you start to develop that moving forward? Uh, those consults are free. So reach out at the link below uh, in the show notes or email me at brian at podcastchef.com. Thanks. Hi, this is Brian. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, our website, podcastchef.com, has a ton of useful information about how to best leverage podcasting to help you solve some of your business goals and challenges. You can also schedule a demo uh, where we can show you how specifically Podcast Chef and our team can help you with some of your podcasting goals. Thanks.